Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Movie Geeks United. It is uh, Blu-ray time, and uh, Adam and I are going to chit-chat about the output for the month of May. Do we have a good lineup this time? Well, this time. There are good lineups. There are good titles every month, you know, to choose from. <laughs> I don't want to downplay it. Yeah, well, uh, you know, there's there's definitely some stuff worth talking about and some titles that have been highly requested for many years that have finally seen the light of day. I'm thinking of one in particular that has been requested for literally decades and has mm. finally seen the light of day. So uh, and so, yeah, if, if for, for no other reason, there's uh, worth talking about uh, that that title along with a few others. So, yeah. And um, hey, you said like you, you said light of day. Light of day needs to be on Blu-ray. It does, and uh, it it may possibly be. I'm not sure. It may I, have. I was on. Uh, no, it's not. It's like. Uh, it's not. No, I think it might have had a DVD years, years, years ago. Yeah, but I, think I don't. It had a DVD. I don't think Blu-ray it's had a Blu-ray treatment, and it's. Uh, I had to watch it on YouTube a couple of weeks ago because I was, I was really wanting to see it again, and so mm-hmm. it was a very, very blurry copy on um, a blurry copy on YouTube, and then I went down the rabbit hole. And there was a clip just from a couple of years ago where Joan Jett and Michael J. Fox are on stage together playing Light of Day in front of a big crowd at a venue. Mm. Yeah, she called him up on stage and said, let's play this together like the old times. And, you know, it was, the two, it was just from like three years ago. I'm like, that was incredibly exciting. Yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's definitely a DVD of it out there, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about the uh, Blu-ray. And you may. And you now that you say that, I don't think it has been. So yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure who owns that. It seems like Lionsgate is the uh, license holder for that title, but I can't be. Uh, I can't be sure. Can't remember. Yeah, I know that. That's anyway, one of many movies that of his own that Paul Schrader's not entirely happy with, but I like it. Yeah, it's uh, it, I I I remember so little about it to tell you the truth because I saw it when it was released and then I don't think I've ever revisited since then. And I remember there were music videos that uh, played on MTV from the movie. So uh, yeah, she's yeah, that, she's one of the great rock singers. I mean, she really is. Oh, of course, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay, well, continue. Uh, I'm so sorry. No, no, this is it's. Yep. We're two minutes it's in, and I've thrown us off track. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's worth talking about. No, well, we'll start with actually a DVD release, because I, I think this one's worth mentioning. Uh, typically, it's just exclusively Blu-rays, but um, Paramount has opted to put together a 14-movie collection of all of their John Wayne titles that he did for the studio, all in one collection. It's uh, it's pretty good. And there's some extras on some of these. Um but we have Big Jake, McClintock, Donovan's Reef, Rio Lobo, El Dorado, The High and the Mighty, The Man Who Shot Liberty, Valance, Hatari, Hondo, The Shootist, In Harm's Way, The Sons of Katie Elder, Island in the Sky, and True Grit, all in one collection that can be yours. So anyway, Paramount, uh, you know, putting together all their, all of the output from the Duke when he worked for Paramount, he worked uh, famously for many studios, and Universal was another one that he, and 20th Century Fox in the 70s uh, as well. Um, so, John, yeah. John Wayne survives in spite of the yep. efforts of woke uh, culture. Uh, his imprint is, you know, it's, it's, it's too, uh, too everlasting to really 
be taken away. That's true. Yeah, they have tried, but uh, did they ever? Uh, they were thinking about uh, that the airport. Isn't there an airport named after him or something? In Burbank, I think. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And they were thinking about taking that name and uh, re- renaming it or something. But yeah, that, don't know how successful they were or not with that. But anyway, um, well, we'll move along here. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, the Best Picture nominee, has been issued on Blu-ray with a couple of special features, couple of featurettes here from Warner Brothers. Um, you know, I uh, still haven't gotten around to. Seeing that, of course, but it was uh, very well reviewed and ob- obviously a uh, a best picture nominee and Oscar winner. Yeah, I think right. Best uh, actor, so, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Exactly. So anyway, uh, the little things is another Warner Brothers release. It has a couple of special features here as well, uh, some featurettes and uh, interviews with the actors and such. This is the serial killer film with Denzel Washington and. Rami Malek and Jared Leto. Leto. It's a bad movie. And, uh, yeah, I heard it was. I mean, uh, bad in that it's completely inert, ineffectual. Even if, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it feels like an homage to the 90s genre of this movie. Yeah. Like something a Hollywood Pictures would come out with. But even for that, it's a it's, it, it feels like a big nothing. Yes. Yeah, I heard it was uh, seven light, basically. <laughs> That's what people. Yeah, are very saying. light. It wants to be. Uh, it's not seven. even. A, it's not even a six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Uh, one other uh, DVD uh, issue that this uh, not a Blu-ray, but I do want to mention this. It's a television series, but it's an interesting curio that I wanted to let people know is out there. MPI has released. Uh, the Man with a Camera, which is a uh, television series that Charles Bronson starred in in 1958. It ran for two years, 58 to 60, I believe it was. Or, no, it's uh, 58 to 59. Sorry, one year. 29 episodes have been issued on uh, on DVD in this set. And the guest stars are pretty interesting. You have Angie Dickinson, Yvonne Craig, King Calder, Ru- Ruta Lee, Harry Dean Stanton, Gavin McLeod, whom we just uh, lost – Howard McNear, Sebastian Cabot, Norma Crane, Bill Irwin, and Grant Williams in this uh, as guest stars. Man with a camera. So it's interesting because this was before Charles Bronson became a a, a well-known uh, star, and uh, this was one of his earliest efforts. But uh, he's basically a a photographer who solves murder mysteries each week on this ABC television series. But anyway, just wanted to mention those for for whatever it's worth. Uh, if you're interested in seeing the early. Uh, earliest works of Charles Bronson. Um, so moving into other disc releases, uh, starting on May 4th, we had Speed 4K. Uh, they uh, This is now a Fox title, of course, controlled by Disney. And uh, so there's been a lot of speculation as to whether Disney is going to continue releasing 4K discs and, and uh, what's going to happen to the Fox catalog. So I think it's uh, worth it's it's good news to see them putting Speed out in 4K, although I'm told that. I didn't get a review copy of this, but I'm told that some of the extras on the previous uh, editions have have not been included. Uh, there are some extras on here, but not all of them. So if you have the old DVD, the uh, I think it's the Five Star Collection DVD set that was released about 20 years ago or so, they say you might want to hold on to that. But anyway, I hear that it's a good transfer. Uh, it looks good. Uh, Heat is on the way from 4, in 4K from Disney as well. As it uh, should be. 
Yeah, so it, they are going to be issued. From Disney, I thought Heat was a Warner Brothers movie. Well, it was, and because it's a Morgan Creek thing, I, I think it's Morgan Creek, isn't it? I believe yeah. anyway. There's there's a co-production thing with Warner Brothers, and I think Warner Brothers only had the rights to it for for a, a while, a certain amount of time. And then, if you recall, in 2016, Fox put out the remastered version. So the rights reverted mm. back to Fox, and then when Fox got absorbed by Disney, now Disney owns the rights to it. So okay. that's who pays. But anyway, they are going to be issuing it in 4K. So I wanted to tell people who are fans of Heat, as you and I are tremendous fans. I know there are a lot of others who are as well. So I wanted to mention that. Um, so uh, Tim Burton's Big Fish from 2003 has been issued in 4K as well from Sony. Uh, if you're a fan of Big Fish, I think that's one of the few Tim Burton films that's actually good <laughs> since uh, Ed Wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a neat video of a guy visiting the locations from Big Fish, the, uh-huh. whole, the whole community that that takes place in. It's you can go in and walk around, and mm-hmm. it's a big kind of touristy thing. Yeah, I, I remember taking my daughter to see that when she was oh, I don't know, she was probably. I guess maybe she had was in kindergarten or something, and we went, and she really enjoyed it. Uh, she was probably maybe too young to appreciate it, but she she enjoyed it for what it was, you know, and I did too. And I remember seeing that. I have fond memories of seeing it in a theater. I've revisited it, I think, once since then. So uh, anyway, um, The Black Cauldron is another Disney title. This one is only available in Blu-ray, not 4K, but, um, you know, this was one of those – uh, it's one of the during the time period when Disney was really struggling hard to get their animated films mm-hmm. to make a splash, and this was one of their efforts that eh, it didn't. It cost a lot of money. I think I think it was a very hugely budgeted effort that did not do nearly what they had hoped. That yeah, it would. but it was a perennial on the early cablers. You know, the yes, early cable channels. It was. It was agreed. But anyway, the Black Cauldron has been issued in, in uh, on Blu-ray uh, from Disney. Uh, the Hot Spot from 1990, directed by Dennis Hopper, mm, of course. I like that movie. I've watched that movie a couple of times. I like it. Yeah, I have. To, I, I do too. I do too. Um, it has been a while. I did not get a review copy of it, unfortunately, so I can't attest to uh, the quality or anything like that. But it's. Uh, it's one of Kino's releases. Uh, they always, you know, are busy every month, and this is the first of their re- releases for the month. It's not. There's nothing groundbreaking about it, but it's it's supposed to be like the sizzling, sex, yeah. sexy, small southern town noir, and it's it's got that right. I mean, it's got the mm-hmm. the sweat and the sex and the sunburn. I mean, it's got it all down. Yeah. It's uh yeah I I, I do have fond fond memories of it. Do you um. Did you ever see the other Dennis Hopper uh, directed film, Out of the Blue? Well, that's one. I, it's a blind spot. For no, me I never saw that one. Is that the one with the girl from Days of Heaven? That's the one. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just wondering if you had ever seen that one because I have not, and I've always wanted to. Never saw it, but I do remember yeah. all the stories about that Don Johnson and uh, Dennis Hopper did not get along on Hunt Spot. Like they were at each other's throats throughout the whole shoot. Mm, interesting. And there's a funny Letterman interview that he did with Hopper at that time, and he actually asked about it. And to kind of see uh, see Hopper try to be as diplomatic as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, 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 uh, 
a tall order there, I guess you would say. Yeah, yeah. Johnson's great in it. I mean, oh, Johnson's gosh. one of those guys where obviously a massive TV star, and he yeah. was one of them that was tr- trying to have the same impression in film. And looking at him, you know, uh, he's a good actor. There was every reason why he should have, but I mean, he didn't have that breakthrough in film. No, agreed. Even though he's never, he's not bad. He's not a bad actor, and he did some no. good films. Yeah, he kind of, uh, I think, has become a supporting actor at this point in his career, which is fine. Uh, recently rewatched um, Machete, and he's mm-hmm. in that, of course, and. Uh, you know those those kinds of roles are are fine for him. Uh, yeah, obviously Django, think, Django Unchained. Yeah, I think he's great in Tin Cup. I mean, I thought oh, that was a great yeah, yeah. a great addition to that cast. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. Yeah. Well, uh, another Kino release would be. Uh, I don't know if anybody was clamoring for this, but maybe there are some fans or people who have uh, fond nostalgia for the nineties. Cool as Ice from nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Uh, the Vanilla Ice, uh, their their attempts to make Vanilla Ice into a uh, a, a film star right. that kind of landed with a dud. This has a new audio commentary and obviously a new transfer. But uh, for anybody who wants to see the the one and only uh, starring feature for Vanilla Ice, uh, Cool as Ice has been issued by Kino, uh, as has Sweet Liberty from 1986, written and directed by Alan Alda. And co-starring Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Caine and Bob Hoskins. And I don't remember one. Sweet Liberty. Yeah, it's the one where he, uh, the uh, movie production uh, takes over his the town in which he lives and causes all kinds of problems. Like a state in Maine kind of thing? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and they're making this, um, it's uh, some sort of a, a historical epic or something like that. Mm. And it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a comedy and... Yeah, you know, it's it kind of got middling reviews when it came out. I never saw it. Um, I remember Cinderella I, Liberty. Oh, I love Cinderella <laughs> Liberty. That's that's one of my favorite movies of the early seventies. That's I adore that one. But Sweet Liberty, I remember when it came out. And, uh, I remember, I think it was a summer release, from what I recall. Aldo was pretty regular. At a, at a, you know, I'm not talking about his digestion. I'm talking about his output <laughs> at a certain time as a as a filmmaker. I mean. If he had yeah. he had that and he had Betsy's wedding and I know there were others. <clears throat> well, the, the four seasons I'm a huge fan of from '81. Right. That's a really really well made movie. And um, what's the one where Joe Pesci plays a? It's an Alan Alda movie. Joe Pesci plays a mob guy. Uh, you know. Oh yeah. And it was that very, one. very early Pesci, I think. Oh gosh, I'm I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank because I'm thinking of somebody. Gotcha. Uh, Got you. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You you did. I'm thinking of some of the Alan Alda movies where he acted, but n- not necessarily directed, like The Seduction of Joe Tynan and right. uh, Same Time Next Year. 1970. That's uh, because I reached out to Alda, and he said, yeah, I'd love to do an interview with you, because I was going to do an interview with him about The Seduction of Joe yeah. Tynan. And uh, it just never, uh, never worked out, but... Uh, he was the first yes I got, actually, for that Movie Geek yearbook series, and it just never worked out. Hmm, that's too bad. It was around yeah. the time that he announced that he was sick, too. But but I don't think that had anything to do with it, because he, he did a lot of press for Marriage Story and such. 
Gosh, I didn't even realize he was sick. What was uh, what yeah, was the he, issue there? I, I think he has Parkinson's. I'm not sure. Wow, I missed that somehow. Hmm. Well, I I hope he hope it's uh hope he's able to deal with that in a relatively uh, good manner. I mean, you know, I, I, that's a terrible thing. Yeah. Well, Mill Creek Entertainment has issued a four movie collection of uh, war films. They call it Scars of War. And you can have all four of these on Blu-ray for uh, $14.99, which is a pretty good deal, I guess. Casualties of War, mm. Alamo Bay, Birdie, and Summer Tree. So uh, I know Birdie and Casualties of War are definitely worth uh, – it'd be worth picking that up just for those two, if nothing else. Yeah. But, um, In terms of the ranking of Vietnam films, where do you think Casualties ranks? Oh, it's in my top five. I love it. I think it's uh, an extremely powerful film myself. Um, you know, it's at least in my top ten. Maybe not top five, but definitely my top ten. But I, I think it's very underrated and underappreciated. Let's put it that way. It's probably the hardest uh, of them to take. It's I mean, it's a tough movie. Uh, I, I, you can't recommend it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> nece- really. I mean necessarily so. I mean, you know. Yeah. Given the subject matter, it, it shouldn't be yeah, anything it's, but. I mean, it it's not like oh, I just watched Casualties of War. I never laughed so hard about. <laughs> It's not one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough movie, and uh, and I and uh, I think it's a. I, I agree with you. I think it's a great underrated De Palma, just because it's yeah. such a tough set. But yeah. um, technically but, superb too, by the way. Yeah, and there are touches in that movie that are just so uh, heartbreaking. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, I can't even describe one moment in that movie without crying. So I'm not going to try, but it, 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 Pauline Kael talks about this particular moment when she's kidnapped from the village. She talks about it in her review, and it mm-hmm. it it is maybe one of the most heartbreaking scenes I've ever seen in in movies. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very powerful stuff, and uh, it's it's interesting to see for the ensemble cast too, because a lot of the people that are in that film they were at the beginning of their careers, and uh, like Wazano, uh, they went on to yes, know. John C. Riley. Yeah, and, and it's a lot of. A lot of uh <laughs> wonder how they liked being in yeah. the jungle for six months with Sean Penn. <laughs> oh yeah, it had to be a barrel of laughs, right? Uh, yeah, that was his like one thousand percent committed method period. Yeah, and I think that was at the tail end of his marriage to Madonna, and things weren't going well there at home. So I'm uh, I'm sure that didn't help matters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, mm, boy. Well, well, well. Yeah. Well, uh, so moving on to some other Kino titles. Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia has been reissued by uh, Kino. It was previously issued twice by Twilight Time. They they issued it on Blu-ray, and it went out of print, and then they reissued it again. And now it has been reissued a third time with a new transfer. And, uh, I think a new commentary and all the previous extras have been carried over, including the commentary with Nick Redman, the late mm. founder. Twilight Time. Uh, it's a good commentary. That's a movie too. that keeps coming. I mean, that that movie never goes away. You no, know, it does. It's right. one of those peck and paws that, uh, you know, like the Wild Bunch and I guess the Getaway. Like it, they're they're always being revealed every couple of years and renewed for new audiences, and mm-hmm. they're always in the conversation. You know, the new Beverly opens back up again June first, and they're. Um, 
and during the month they're playing a, a Technicolor print of the getaway that they say is beautiful. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I heard also that they are uh, debuting first time ever a new print of New York, New York that's yeah. been sitting around since right before the pandemic. Yeah, that so, would be uh, something to see. Yes, it. I would. mean, talk about I, a beautiful I, Technicolor presentation, you know. Oh my goodness, man! I uh, yeah, I heard about that and I was salivating. I said, "Oh, oh man, what I wouldn't do to go see that print of New York, New York, on the big screen, man." Yeah, isn't it great if you're rich and you can buy a plane ticket and a hotel room just to see a movie? I know. Wow. Fly out there. Yeah, it would. Uh, it would just be great to see that with a with a an audience who appreciates that film and gets it, and you know, very uh. Talk about underappreciated films. I mean, it's not perfect, but you know, it's one of the films of Scorsese's that nobody talks about, and yeah, it's it's definitely seen. And it really showed his um his versatility in terms of yeah embracing uh, a segment of Hollywood filmmaking and doing it mm-hmm. with such authenticity, you know. Yeah, they even say that he used some of the uh, the uh, same makeup artists from the that worked on those 40s and 50s films. Yeah, he brought them in to, to duplicate the look of the makeup that was even being used in, during that time. That's the kind of detail that he was in, intensely focused on. And of course, that was during the time when he was battling drug addiction as well. So uh, you know, it was an interesting. Yeah, I mean, period something that I've always admired Spielberg for that nobody talks about how how much of a chameleon he is that he can that he can make something like AI and an AI is such a fascinating movie because it feels entirely Spielberg and yet you can feel Kubrick in it. I mean, the mm-hmm. stylistically there's something that you can't express that you know is Kubrick. The same thing with Munich feeling like a Costa Gravis film and, oh, of course. you yeah. know, a uh, minority report, the film noir section of that feeling like a true throwback. I mean, he's such a chameleon in embracing these different styles. But Scorsese, mm-hmm. you know, uh, New York, New York is a, uh, the first, probably maybe the first and prime example of how he could do the same thing. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty impressive and a, a, quite an achievement that, uh, that sadly is forgotten. I think it was forgotten the minute that it, uh, was released in theaters, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, of, there's a, a new lot of print cocaine. in the a lot of cocaine that's been sitting around. They said that I think the print was just finished right before COVID, and they they yeah. were planning yeah. on um, you know doing something with it, and then that, that happened. And but uh, now it's going to finally see the light of day. Anyway, uh, so another keynote release is the Last Married Couple in America, which I think was the Second-to-last theatrical film for Natalie Wood. George Siegel and Natalie Wood play a a married couple who were seeing all their uh, their married friends getting divorced and wondering if they've missed something by staying married together all these years. It's uh, directed by Gilbert Cates, who directed uh, quite a few films, and uh, one of my favorites, actually, of Gene Hackman's performances, um, I Never Sang for My Father, was directed by Gilbert Cates, who yeah. made this film as well. Gilbert Cates... Uh didn't he record a? Didn't he produce a lot of the Oscar telecasts? Was he the head of the Academy getting, or something? Yes, I was getting to that. You beat, beat me to the punch. Yes, he did. He did for quite a while. Uh, I think in the mid nineties, I want to say the early to mid nineties. Yeah, he was in charge of it. Then, yes, that is correct. Okay, good. Yeah, but that is I correct, sir. <laughs> yes, indeed. I, uh, I I am a huge fan of I never. 
sang for my father, though, as I was saying. That is just uh, what a powerful performance by Gene Hackman and uh, Melvin Douglas as the dad. And just, oh, I need to see it. I never saw it. it. Oh, you. Yeah, you should. It's a great, great early Gene Hackman. And it's I think it's available uh, for streaming. I think they've they've made it up there. So I, I recently acquired a. A digital copy of it here recently. So anyway, um, see, I can't, re- I can't relate to it because I have sung for my father many, many times. <laughs> yeah, you, you actually have. That's yeah, true. I have. That's true. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a documentary on the beloved Moroccan band Nas El Giwane. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, this is a, a, a film called Trances from 1981. This documentary has been issued by Criterion. Huh. Uh, I'm not really familiar with uh, the band or the uh, or or any of uh, or their music, but anyway, Criterion usually chooses wisely with their releases, so uh, I can't imagine that this wouldn't be interesting. But anyway, Trances, this documentary about this Moroccan band from 1981 has been issued by Criterion. We were talking about John Wayne earlier. Hellfighters is a film that he made for Universal as opposed to Paramount, and it has been issued by Mill Creek, uh, who also issued the uh, Scars of War that we just talked about earlier. Uh, but yes, Hellfighters, uh, starring John Wayne from 1968, where he's a, uh, a fire firefighter leading a, a group of firefighters who are putting out oil fires in Texas, I think it is. Mm. So anyway, uh, yeah, the little scene documentary FTA from 1972, starring uh, Jane Fonda and Donald oh, yeah. Sutherland as, as themselves. Yeah, this is the uh, the anti-war documentary that she uh, they made. It was shelved. I think it was American International Pictures was putting it out. They, they actually did release it, and then they pulled it from theaters and uh, destroyed all the prints except for maybe one or two, I think. And uh, it was uh, why did they do them. that? Because it, the Hanoi Jane thing started then. Or oh what? yes, yes, yes. That's that is it. That well, is if it. you Just remember, the last when we when we all went to LA together last year. Yeah. Was it last year? Or a year and a half ago. I don't know. It was almost a year and a half ago. It, it was two years ago. March, March 19, uh, 2019, yeah. Wow, that thing's over two years ago. Anyway, yeah. let's reflect on that for a few minutes. Okay. Yeah, let's uh, stop. When, yes. when, when we went there, that I think it was that week at the American Cinematheque, Jane Fonda was doing a Q&A at a screening of FTA. Really? Yeah. I think you mentioned that, and I totally forgot it now that you mentioned that. Yeah, right. And we just couldn't get to it. Yeah, we had too 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 much to do. We had to put a Jane Fonda screening on the back burner because our plate was full. <laughs> yeah, it really was, man. Yeah, God, yeah, you're right. It was two two and a half, not one and a half, two and a half. So yeah, that is or almost damn, two and a half. Damn, damn, you're old. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not I me. I was in my forties when we went out there, so <laughs> I'm not in my forties anymore. It's a lifetime ago. <laughs> It was, yeah. That's crazy, man. Crazy stuff. Well, anyway, FTA, and in case anybody's wondering, the uh, the initials stand for Fuck the Army. Anyway. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Uh, yeah, that's man. what it stands for. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, pretty... Uh, yeah, I would think that would be a hot-button movie. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was. So, um, anyway... Uh, 
the Amy Madigan, Ed Harris drama Alamo Bay has been issued by Mill Creek Entertainment as well. So uh, I think uh, that might be part of the uh, the Scars of War. Yeah, the Scars of War edition, yeah, uh, that we mentioned earlier. It's part of that, and it's also being issued separately, sorry, as is Casualties of War. So anyway, we'll move along to May the 11th. And here's the title I teased of earlier uh, that has been highly anticipated, and that would be the 1976 King Kong, which has never been issued on Blu-ray in North America, if you can imagine that. Uh, Scream Factory has opted to issue King Kong in a uh, collector's edition that contains two cuts of the film, the theatrical version and the three-hour and two-minute television cut of the film. And uh, the television cut of the film has been uh, going around in bootleg editions for many, many years, uh, they have done a wonderful, wonderful job restoring the television version here in its correct aspect ratio of 2.35 to 1, I'm happy to report. And like I said, it includes about 45 minutes of footage that's not in the theatrical cut, and the theatrical cut looks great as well. The television ratio yes. is 2.35? Uh, well, it, the film was filmed in 2.35 to 1. Uh -huh. uh, obviously, they masked it off back in the day. But uh, the film has been – the television cut has been restored to the proper aspect ratio of the film. So okay. uh, it's never been seen that way before. Okay. So um, anyway, apparently they had a copy in the Paramount vaults of the television version. But yeah, mm. it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, the, this is a, uh, a two-disc set, as I said, and there's just tons of uh, featurettes here with people who are uh, surviving cast and crew members. Uh, unfortunately, um, they weren't able to get Jeff Bridges, who's battling uh, lymphoma, and uh, Jessica Lang didn't participate. And Charles Grodin uh, passed away two weeks ago, so I guess he had his own battles to fight. Um, but nevertheless, uh, there are some interesting featurettes here, and our uh, our old pal Ray Morton, who uh, whom uh, we have on at least once a year to talk about uh, films. He's a film historian and uh, screenwriting teacher. Uh, he does the commentary here. He's, he had written a book about the history of King Kong, and it's a terrific, terrific book. And he does the commentary, and uh, for the entire two hours and 15 minutes of the film, he's uh, just uh, giving you all kinds of information about the film in case you, you – know, for any, anything and everything you've ever wanted to know, he, he's, uh, he's giving it to you right there. And they were actually able to get Rick Baker to provide a commentary as well, which wow. is kind of exciting. Uh, he plays King Kong in the film, and I think what happened was they were originally just going to do an audio interview, and it turned out that uh, it went so long, they just turned it into a commentary. So yeah. uh, that's what happened. Good. And the, uh, So anyway, there's TV spots, a trailer, still galleries, uh, you know, good stuff. So it's already sold out once, and then it's in its second pressing already. Really? Uh, so that tells you what a – yeah, this title was sold out within a week. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, they uh, – in the era of um, everything streaming, it's amazing that a um, – you know, that a, a, a physical copy of a film would actually sell that quickly. But it did. It did. So, uh, anyway, so we'll move on to uh, another Criterion title. Fast Times at Ridgemont High has been issued by Criterion, believe it or not. Believe it, believe it or not. They, ha they have issued it, and um, it's a uh, – you know, there's a, there's a few new extras, a few new interviews here, and a lot of the uh, previously issued uh, documentaries and interviews that have been carried over. Uh, I think there's a new transfer 
So if you're a fan of Fast Times, I guess this is the um, the uh, the addition to have. Mm. Um, so yeah, I wanted to mention that uh, last month we uh, I uh, had uh, mentioned in our last show that Day of the Animals and Grizzly were being issued by Severin Films, and uh, though they had to delay the release of those titles, and they have been issued now. Uh, they moved them from April until May, and. Um, I did get review copies of these, and I wanted to uh, recommend them if you're fans of uh, Day of the Animals or Grizzly, both directed by William Girdler, who died at the age of 32 in a helicopter crash. There's uh, On the Grizzly Blu-ray, there's an interesting documentary about his life and work called um, Making Movies with uh, – with, uh, let's see. It's called Nightmare USA, I'm sorry, by author uh, Stephen Thrower is the, uh, uh, the, uh, the writer – who guides us on uh, the career of William Girdler on this. And I did watch it. It's quite informative. Uh, mm. the, the guy made nine films in, I don't know, six or seven years. It's amazing. Uh, and he was really on to uh, – he was on his way and then uh, tragically was killed. Um, How good right can before. Grizzly look? Well, they do the best they can with it. Uh, you know, I think the original camera negative was probably lost, but uh, they they have a, a pretty good print of it here, and it's uh, it's not bad. Um, I, I would I would give it a B plus okay. on the scale of those things. Uh, and Day of the Animals, you know, was the follow up film that has some of the uh, same cast members return, along with Leslie Nielsen and a score by Lalo Schifrin. They Jeez. had a bigger budget, so they could afford something a little more. Uh, yeah, Leslie Nielsen uh, is chewing the scenery. He's not just chewing the scenery. He's uh, swallowing the curtains and the carpet as well in this film. Uh, and he's um, – basically, it's a bunch of campers who are stranded on top of a mountain. Uh, the ozone layer – this movie is way ahead of its time because it's a 1977 film. But basically, the, the premise is that the ozone layer has been depleted to the point where it causes the animals to go berserk and start attacking human beings. Mm. And uh, you have these campers that uh, are being attacked by just about every spe uh, species of animal that you can think of that you might find on a hike. And uh, it's – you know, there's some pretty good stuff there. It's It's an interesting – Interesting film, and like I said, Leslie Nielsen basically uh, decides to take charge of the hike, and uh, he wants to make them go down the mountain as opposed to going up the mountain, and they split into two different groups, and he leads the group that decides to go down the mountain, and uh, basically is uh, shows becomes uh, uh, his violent tendencies come to light. Let's put it that way: is uh, on top on top of all of the. Uh, he, uh, the animals attacking. He's he's um, basically physically abusing the uh, the hikers as well. So anyway, like I said, uh, I think Bloody Good Horror says it best on this tease on the back. An amazing slice of seventies cheese. So anyway, Day of the Animals is uh, mm. finally out by Severin Entertainment as well as Grizzly, uh, and we'll move along to the 4K release of Shrek for its 20th anniversary edition. That's hard to believe. Uh, it includes a bonus disc with four hours of extras and a great new transfer in 4K. It's as good as the film's going to look. I mean, you have to realize this was in the early days of uh, digital animation. So the, there, there were certain uh, – when you go back to old uh, digital effects like this, a lot of them were finished in 1K, and the programs that they were rendered on are no longer available. So it's hard for them to – upgrade these to 4k when 
the programs oh. that they were made on no longer exist. So some of the backgrounds in, uh, are a little static, you know, in these films. But the you know they, it, like I said, looks as good as it's going to. Uh, but it's an interesting dilemma they have with some of these films that use digital effects that were finished at one K, such as Forrest Gump and Jurassic Park. Is are, those are two other examples uh, that they've had problems with. So um, anyway, Shrek is out in the 20th anniversary edition 4K, and just wanted to to mention that. And uh, The Fast and the Furious, the original, has been issued in 4K. Uh, both of those by Universal, by the way. Uh, the original Saw has been issued by Lionsgate in 4K. Um, so, you know, I guess to coincide with the release of Spiral, which is the uh, the uh, spinoff film from the Saw series. And then we have the Warner Archive title uh, starring Robert Young and Susan Hayward, where a man must prove his innocence. Uh, they Won't Believe Me from 1947. And this is a very well-reviewed uh, crime thriller. Uh, I think uh, Leonard Balton gave it three and a half stars, I believe, in his book. So anyway, uh, Smokey and the Bandit has been released in a three-movie collection containing all three of the Smokey and the Bandit really? films on Blu-ray for the first time. The original was available on Blu-ray, but not two and three, and uh, I don't know. Uh, People have been clamoring for that third one. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I prefer the third one over the second one, I must tell you. Uh, it's no it's no great shakes, but I find it to be a lot funnier than... Uh, uh, there, there are more jokes that work than in the uh, the hmm. second one. I, I, my opinion, in spite of the fact that Burt Reynolds is barely in it. Um, but anyway, uh, you know the story. I'm sure you know the story about Smokey, the third Smokey and the Bandit film. That they filmed it with J uh, Jackie Gleason playing both parts. He was playing the Bandit and Buford T. Justice. Yeah. And they called it Smokey is the Bandit. And then they had test screenings, and it became so confusing they had to go back and reshoot everything with Jerry Lee, uh, Jerry uh, Reed rather taking over the bandit part. And there is a trailer you can find on YouTube of Smokey is the bandit, mm. which is interesting, and it proves that it's not an urban legend; it really did exist. Because when so, you're watching uh, the first two Smokey and the Bandit movies, you're like, you know, this is fine, but it's just not meta enough for me. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, when you think Jackie Gleason, you don't exactly think meta, but uh, yeah. you know, hey, it was a, it was a new career phase for Jackie Gleason, so uh, you know, and I guess he was trying new things. Anyway, uh, "Merrily We Go to Hell" is a uh, release from Criterion, starring Frederick March and Sylvia Sidney, and this is one of those pre-code films. It's directed by one of the few. Uh, female directors of that period, Dorothy Arzner, and there's a, mm. a documentary on here about her, a 1983 documentary is included as an extra. And there's a new video essay. This is um, basically a film about uh, that deals with alcoholism. and. Uh, what year? Uh, 1932. Yeah. Arzner was – she was the only female director working on her major studios at that time, and then she yeah. left the industry. And then Ida Lupino became the only female working under studio contract directing. Yeah, I think you're right, yes. Yep. So uh, anyway, I did see the film, and I have to admit it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not really um, – it wasn't very well reviewed by Leonard Malton. Again, I checked this one in his guide, and he gave – And he was around back then. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that, but he did give the film one star and a half. I don't think it's quite that bad, but uh, it's it's kind of – it kind of lumbers along, to be honest. It, uh, mm -hmm. it deals with pregnancy and uh, alcoholism and some subjects that were a little bit, you know, 
uh, not really dealt with in mainstream movies after the the uh, code was instated. Sexual uh, addiction. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of Lupino's movies were message movies as well, or or uh, issue movies. Yeah, right. Uh, but true. they were done so artfully, and and a lot of the um, a lot of the humanity was so well observed. I mean, it just wasn't, hey, don't do drugs, kids. It wasn't that kind of message movie. I mean, it was v- very authentically done. That yeah. uh, they they kind of they transcended the, you know, what you would think of as a typical preachy message movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I like her. I I typically respond to her films. So yeah, I uh, there's a box set. Of, cor- of course, I think we talked about it a couple of months ago that uh, Kino put out that has the the best of her uh, stuff in one collection. So yeah. Uh, Tank, the James Garner <laughs> film from 1984. <laughs> is it James Garner and Dudley Moore? Uh, no, 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 no. That's Best, best defense. defense. Yeah, so this yeah, is James right. Garner, Tank, right. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. and I th- isn't it Treat Williams maybe? I can't remember. I might be wrong about that. Uh, I'll have to check. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Tank has been issued by Kino. Uh, on Blu-ray. Gosh, I'll and, never uh, forget. I was staying with my grandmother when Tom, I was Tommy I, Howell. Sorry, <laughs> I was staying with my grandmother when I was a little kid, and yeah, my dad had gotten a Betamax player, and I knew that he was going to rent Tank that weekend. And so <laughs> I, I remember talking to him about the photo. I was like, "How's Tank?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one of those films that I remember seeing that in the video store as well, and. uh yeah, you were just so enthralled by the idea of being able to rent a movie and watch it yeah. at any time. That, you know, even garbage, uh, even some of the lesser. I'm not saying Tank is garbage. I don't know. I never saw it. But, uh, but you know, there were some titles that were really their their critical merits were a little bit questionable. But you'd watch it just for the simple novelty. They got to fill those shelves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway, uh, the Yearling from 1946. Uh, starring Gregory Peck, of course, and um, Jane Wyman, and it's about a boy's friendship with a a fawn that follows him around with devotion. It's always been considered to be a couple of family films that were made in the, from that period of the 40s, and it's uh, you know, I I I think the first hour of this film is quite uh, sluggish, but it does pick up in the last hour, and it is the end of it is quite moving. I have to admit, so it's a mixed bag, but but nevertheless worth seeing. Uh, it looks beautiful in this new Blu-ray from uh, Warner Archive, and uh, they have some uh, a few special features here: a Screen Guild Players radio broadcast and the cartoon Cat Concerto, and the theatrical trailer. So the 1946 film The Yearling, being issued by Warner Archive, and we have a couple other Warner Archive titles here. We have uh, Bachelor in Paradise which is one of those films that, um, you know, made during that questionable period of Bob Hope's career of the 60s. Uh, his films uh, kind of went down in quality, so you never knew exactly <laughs> when you watch one of his films made in the 60s, you're not sure what you're going to get. I mean, there was really bad ones there, but this is one of the best. I think. This was actually directed by Jack Arnold, who's more famous for directing uh, a lot of uh, – I think he directed Clint Eastwood in his first film. He's in uh, uh, Tarantula, I believe, or Revenge of the Creature. I think both both of those uh, that Clint Eastwood his first two movies, I believe, Jack Arnold directed him in those. And uh, anyway, Jack Arnold also directed The Incredible Shrinking Man. 
and Creature and, from the Black I, Lagoon. Yes, and Creature from the Black Lagoon. So, yes, he, he was known for a lot of sci-fi films. So directing a comedy with Bob Hope and Lana Turner is a little bit of a change of pace, but uh, it's actually quite, it's actually pretty good. Uh, I did get a chance to check this one out, and there there are some good one-liners uh, you know, that Bob Hope was famous for, of course. And um, it's basically about a, the bachelor of the film's title who uh, he runs into tax problems. He's a best-selling novelist of uh, these um, steamy romance novels, and so uh, in order to pay off his tax debt, he gets an assignment from his editor to move into a uh, a new development for married couples, even though he's a bachelor, and write about what's going on around him. And um, of course, he rents a home from Lana Turner, and uh, she's recently divorced, and of course, they fall for each other. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of the better, I would say, of uh, Bob Hope's. 60s comedies. It also co-stars uh, Jim Hutton and Paula Prentice are in there. So uh, anyway, Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, no extras on this from Warner Archive, but uh, good-looking transfer nonetheless. And uh, yeah, I would uh, I would tend to recommend that one if you're a Bob Hope fan. Escape from Fort Bravo is another one. Now, this is an MGM film from 1953, starring William Holden and Eleanor Parker and John Forsyth and um, it's uh it's it's about a rebel who tries to escape out of a union prison outpost of Fort Bravo and uh William Holden is the lawman on his tail and uh you know it's uh it's just it's directed by John Sturges who went on to do The Great Escape. Uh this is uh, just kind of middle of the road John Sturges for me. I don't uh, think it's it's a good looking film but um you know it's it's not uh not not my favorite of his works. Uh, it's it's okay. Gets the job done, as Aaron might say. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, interesting uh, uh, supporting work from William Demarest, who played Uncle Charlie on My Three Sons, and mm. Richard Anderson, who you interviewed years ago. God, I can uh, barely hear a word he said. You, <laughs> I had to amplify that that track up so much. Really? That, yeah. And all you could hear was him going, because he had a really deep voice. He's like, uh, and then in the background there was shh. That's what the, the interview sounded like. But I was able to get like two sound bites for the for the Doctor Strange Love episode that were uh-huh. usable. But you know, it was it was a thrill to talk to him. He was so generous. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm glad you have that because he's another one no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah, Mr. Blandings builds his dream house, which is uh. Cary Grant and Myrna Loy attempting to build the home of their dreams. This was remade as The Money Pit yeah, yeah. in 1986. Uh, this is one of the rare films that I think the remake is better than the original, really? to be honest. Okay. In my opinion. I think the remake is much funnier than this one. Uh, it's okay, but again, it's uh, it's never quite funny as you want it to be. It's a good premise, and Cary Grant's great. Of course, he always is, and Myrna Loy. But, uh, you know, it's it's... It's okay, but I, I prefer the Money Pit. But it's a good-looking uh, transfer, and there's a few new ex- a few extras there. So, wanted to mention that another Warner Archiver. Yeah, I did. I last... rewatched. I rewatched the Money Pit during the pandemic, <clears throat> and yeah. um, last year, and because um, I hadn't seen it since it came out, yeah. and uh, it's a it's a really good uh, screwball physical comedy. I mean, it really is. Sure, yeah, I agree. I laugh a lot every time I see it. I revisit it every, I don't know, five or six years or something. But And that's speaking from from me, who does not like Shelley Long. 
she's like the female female Dan Aykroyd for me. Like they both grate my nerves. <laughs> I agree. I'm right there with you. Yeah, uh, I do like her in the Brady Bunch films, though the first two anyway. Uh, I think she's perfectly cast as Carol Brady. Yeah. But uh, other than that, uh, yeah. So another uh, Warner Archive release would be Drunken Master Two, and uh, this is of course Jackie Chan uh, in this. This was, uh, I think it was, uh, oh, about 16 years after the original Drunken Master, which was a, a hit at its time, made in 78. And this one's from 1994. And uh, the extras include uh, the original English subtitles as seen in the Hong Kong theatrical release for the first time ever. But uh, if you if you uh, like, uh, I prefer the Jackie Chan, the uh, films made in his uh, native country. And uh, this is one of the better ones, I think. Drunken Master 2, some incredible stunts there, incredible stunt work. Um, so, yeah, All About the Benjamins with Ice Cube and Mike Epps from 2002 has been issued by Shout Factory. Um, I, I never, I remember this uh, when it was playing in theaters. I never did see it, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, a couple more keynote titles here, Horizons West and Quantez. Uh, Horizons West, Robert Ryan from 1952, and Fred McMurray is in Quantes from 1957. And then we also have Wild Geese 2 with uh, uh, Barbara Carrera and Scott Glenn from 1985. It's another Kino release. What happened to Wild Geese 1? Was that a thing? uh, It was, yeah. It had an all-star cast. I think Roger Moore. um, I think I remember that. It was huge, huge, huge. Yeah. A huge cast, I mean, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, so there's two, as a, a Douglas Sirk collection of two of his films has been issued, um, I think it's the Habanera and Tanu Shores. Uh, Douglas Sirk, of course, who did All the Heaven Allows. These are two of his films from the early 30s, or mid-1930s, oh, wow. I'm sorry, from Aquino. Um, so yeah, they have opted to release two of his films. Uh, the Snoopy collection from Paramount is, um, this is a a set that I was excited to receive because I'm a fan of these films. Um, the four theatrical films featuring, uh, the, uh, Peanuts gang have been released all in one collection. Uh, A Boy Named Charlie Brown, Snoopy Come Home, uh, Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, and Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and Don't Come Back. I think all of these films are charming, and some of them are quite funny, I I think, as far as those things go. Uh, Rewatched Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, just the other night, and really really laughed a lot and related, of course, always with uh, to uh, Charlie Brown's uh, um, run of bad luck that he always seems to have. So anyway, uh, these are four films that I would recommend this set is it's a good one snoop uh the snoopy collection from paramount no extras but uh, good good looking transfers on all you know on uh, prince's last concert this is a weird segue Uh uh-huh okay (laughs) let's hear it uh in prince's last concert he actually played the theme from the peanuts the the lucy and linus really yeah the dun 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 dun, yeah, yeah. yeah he actually performed that that's crazy. I yeah. love to hear that. It, and there's a recording of it. it it's because um, his last concert was recorded. It was his piano and a microphone. So it was just I think it took place in Atlanta. And so yeah. in the in the middle of this medley of songs, he just segued into Linus and Lucy. That's the name of it, right? Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it yeah. was and the crowd just went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's funny you mention that because in The uh, Boy Named Charlie Brown, there's a, a subplot in the film about Linus uh, giving his blanket to Charlie Brown for good luck. He's in the spelling bee. And, uh, and of course, he goes into withdrawal symptoms by not having his blanket, you know, like a like an alcoholic would if they couldn't get their booze. And so every time they show Linus going into his withdrawal symptoms, they have the Linus and Lucy theme, but playing it in a very discordant uh, you know, playing it off key, and it's just a really clever touch because yeah. you know every time you see him and he's having this, it's uh, and then when he gets his blanket back, they play the theme, you know, as it would normally be played, and it's yeah. just you have to pay real close attention to that sort of thing. And I think the level of detail is amazing for those little touches that they put in like that. And I was laughing out loud. I said that is so funny <laughs> that they would play that, you know, off key like that every time that he's that he's shown. You know, he's got all these uh. Sur- around his head and he keeps passing out and it's just i don't know it was funny to me but uh anyway uh so two of uh two roger corman uh double features here uh, robert Cor- roger corman double feature here sorry a uh, big bad mama and big bad mama 2 both starring angie dickinson 1974 mm-hmm. and 1987 these have been released by uh, shout factory as has crazy mama and the lady in red Crazy Mama with Cloris Leachman, of course, and The Lady in Red with Pamela Sue Martin and uh, um, Robert Conrad. So uh, those and he went to town on those movies. on those Mama movies. Yes, yes. Bloody Mama. Not about that. Big Bad Mama. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Angry Mama. mama. I'm sure when like uh, when what's his name when Martin Lawrence came out came out with Big Mama's House, he was like, "Damn it, I missed that one." <laughs> <laughs> yes true uh must have been kicking himself so uh, the last action hero has been issued in 4k this was on may 18th we were up to may 18th now yeah uh you know colossal failure in its day i, I don't know some people have a fondness for it i saw it in the theater and have not seen it since i remember thinking it was uh not the worst thing i'd ever seen but certainly not a great film uh but yeah uh, at least anyways. it reached it reached for something different I mean, I don't it think it, I don't think it was successful, but it had it had more ambition than a lot of tentpole action movies. What yes. was, that came out the week after what? Oh God! Uh, it was the movie that stole all of its thunder. Oh gosh, I, I can't remember. Uh, Jurassic Park came out around that that same okay. month, but I don't know if it was. That might have been it. I mean, that might have been it. It was around the same time. I remember yeah, everyone was, a, was wowed by Jurassic Park, and there was the sense even before reviews of Last Action Hero came out that, yeah, yeah, Last Action probably got it tough, tough going. Yeah, I think that's. I think it was Jurassic Park. I believe so, because yeah, Sliver was released uh, that same month in Jurassic Park, and uh, I, I can't remember. I think it felt, it felt similar to. I mean, The Abyss is a better movie than Last Action Hero, without a doubt. But it felt similar to, the, to that, like Abyss following batman and, yeah you know and batman had all the talk and the oh, yeah. and the audience and you knew that the abyss no matter how good it was was going to suffer in comparison well it's like et and poltergeist uh, they stole the thunder i think from john carpenter's thing in blade runner sure. so uh, it was the same thing yeah, yeah same song yeah. you know they all came out you know they they came out later and they they uh they were just were kind of buried yeah so uh, Animal House has been issued in 4K by Universal. All the previous uh, extras on the previous editions have, have been carried over, uh, and The Sting has also been issued in 4K. Both of those from Universal, uh, like I said, all the previous extras being carried over. No new extras that I'm aware of. 
But uh, 4K upgrades for the Sting and Animal House. And we also have Santa Sangre getting a 4K upgrade uh, from Severin Films. And this is the uh, Alejandro Hodorowski film mm. from 1989 about the the, the man who um, who uh, joins the circus and helps his armless mother create an act. <laughs> Good lord! Uh, yeah, it's a uh, if you're a if you're a Hodorowski fan, you're gonna you're gonna like it. Um, I, I like the way say, you say that. If you're a Hodorowski fan, Hodorowski, uh, yeah, I uh, I don't his films don't do a whole lot for me, and I know that's a sacrilege. Uh, they don't do a lot for me either, but Hodorowski's Dune was my favorite movie that year. Oh, love it, love it, love yeah. it. That is great. I love him. He's a great yeah. raconteur. I love hearing him talk. I, I love him as a person. I, I could sit in a room and talk to him probably for hours on end, but his films just don't really do a whole lot. And I think it's a it's an independent it's an individual's uh, sensibilities. Uh, they're just you know I don't um, I, I don't I just don't do his style of filmmaking. I don't respond to it very well. So anyway, but if you are a Santa Sangre fan, this is an excellent addition. Slipcase uh, with uh, eight hours of Jeez. Extras and a CD for the the CD soundtrack for the film. Hey, it's incredible. Uh, so Severin Films done a has done a great job. It looks beautiful. The transfer. So I wanted to recommend Santa Sangre if you are a fan of of that film. I could not recommend it more. So um, anyway, and we'll move on to Scream Factory with a couple of more of their releases. He knows you're alone, which was actually the film debut for Tom Hanks. Uh, I don't think he likes to acknowledge that too much. But uh, it's uh, a slasher film from 1980. I think the uh, the, uh, the the title of the film will um, kind of describe it for you. Eyes of a Stranger with uh, Lauren Tuis from uh, Love Boat, uh, which starred the recently deceased Gavin McLeod, of course. Uh, she plays, uh, and this was also the film debut for um, Jennifer Jason Lee, who plays a blind slash deaf. Um, woman who's being terrorized by a serial killer, and Lauren Tuis is her uh, sister, who's also a television news reporter who thinks uh, she can solve the case. And uh, it's I tell you what, for, for a while there, I was just talking about this with Aaron last night. Jennifer Jason Lee was the most intriguing actress for for a yeah. while there. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, this is where it started for her, uh, and this was 1981. There's some new extras here. I think a director interview and uh, an actor interview, the guy who plays the killer, he's he's part of the extras. So anyway, uh, yeah, uh, the Oscar winner of The Father uh, with Anthony Hopkins has been issued by Sony on Blu-ray. Uh, Wildcats starring Goldie Hawn has been issued in a new uh, Shout Select edition. Michael Ritchie. Yes, yes. He's kind of treading the same ground that he did with uh, Bad News Bears, but uh, except he's dealing with football and not uh, not baseball. Uh, new extras here, a few new extras, but uh, new transfer. But Wildcats, if you are a fan of uh, the 1986 f- uh, film Wildcats, there you go. Uh, Shout Factory, Shout Select. The Flowers of Shanghai from 1998 is a Criterion release. This is... Um, it's uh boy, I, this director's name always is tough to pronounce. <laughs> Don't bother. Remember. Don't bother. It's all right. Yeah, I'm not gonna bother. But anyway, it's a um, let's just say the foreign film Flowers of Shanghai has been issued uh, the uh, in Cantonese with the original English subtitles and uh, a new documentary about the making of the film. 
uh, and excerpts from a 2000 interview, 2015 interview with the director, and this was a 1998 uh, release that's well-reviewed, Flowers of Shanghai, Criterion release. And we also have It Happened Tomorrow, which is uh, stars Dick Powell and Linda Darnell as a man who uh, gets tomorrow's head, head, newspaper headlines today uh, in this uh, comedy fantasy. Um, anyway, this is from ooh, 1944. So it's Cohen Media has released this uh, in, in uh, I think, uh, in conjunction with Kino Lorber. So uh, It Happened Tomorrow from 1944. And we have a couple of uh, – we have The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex starring Betty Davis and Errol Flynn. That's a Warner Archive release from 1939. And Tom and Jerry the Movie from Warner Brothers, mm. uh, one of their uh, new releases. It was theatrical a couple of months ago, and now it's available on physical and uh, for streaming as well. Uh, you get some deleted scenes and a gag reel and featurettes and – Yada, yada, yada. So uh, anyway, the Tom and Jerry, I didn't get a chance to see it yet, but uh, features Chloe Grace Moretz, Michael Pena. And, um, anyway, Did you mention so, a movie about Queen Elizabeth right before that? Yeah, The uh, the Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex from okay. 1939, starring Betty Davis and Errol Flynn. That reminded me, last week it was Gordon Willis's birthday, and so I posted um, an email that was sent to us right after he died seven years ago or so from his yeah, daughter. And his daughter mm-hmm. was talking about how it was so comforting to hear us do a show about him and know so much about him. Mm-hmm. And the part of the email that I didn't post was below that. And she said, you know, there's one other thing that is worth considering. I remember going to see the movie Elizabeth, I guess, Kate Blanchett. And, um, uh, that was Kate Blanchett, right? The Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And she called her dad and said she liked the movie, but she didn't like the way it was shot at all. It's a shame that that he didn't shoot it. And Gordon Willis said, "I would have loved to, but nobody asked." Mm. And uh, and she said, "So that's something to consider. That uh, you know, you're only as good as the opportunities you're you're given." That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. What a missed opportunity that was. Hmm. 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 Yeah, interesting. That's interesting to know, and sad too. Yeah. Well, he made a mark. I mean, oh he, yeah, he, yeah. He, made, he made a a mark like no one else, you know. Oh no, kidding, no kidding. So we have uh, the 1975 film Macintosh and TJ, starring Roy, Roy Rogers. That was his final <laughs> oh, film. Okay. Believe it that or not, that sounds so much like an 80s buddy movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does. Uh, and it's MVD Visual has uh, released this. It's a uh, it's a pretty big deal because it's been notoriously hard to find. And it's about a, he plays a Roy Rogers' return to the screen playing an old ranch hang, hand who takes on a fatherly way for a young boy who's homeless. So uh, like I said, 1975. Uh, and then we'll move on to the last day of the month for a few titles here. Uh, My Fair Lady has been issued in 4K by Paramount with all the previous extras being ported over from the other. Is it release. 8K? Uh, uh, it's scanned from an 8K uh, – it's restored from 8K scans of the original 65mm elements with 96K resolution English 7.1 Dolby Jesus. HD audio. It does look great, I have to it, admit. It's better. Uh, the, film, 
Yeah, it does. It's incredible. I mean, you know, the film is well, you know, it's still no better than it ever was. It's a good film, solid, but you know, it's it's hard to get on board with this film for me in a year when Doctor Strangelove was released and this won Best Picture over Doctor yeah. Strangelove. I, I mean, you and I not, were talking about that. Like, it's great that that they they've taken so much care and I mean, the movie's so damn pristine. You could you could differentiate like fabrics and stitching and stuff, but. For my fair lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, but it's beautiful. And if you love this film, I could not recommend it more. I did get a chance to look at it, and uh, it's incredible. Yeah, I'll I say bet. that. So, I bet. Uh, it really, really is. Another 4K release is the 2011 uh, film from J.J. Abrams, one of the few non-sequels, non-franchise films he's done. Super 8, which was his tribute to the films of Steven Spielberg that inspired him as a youth. And of course, this is you know about six friends who witness a train wreck while making a Super 8 movie to learn that uh, something unimaginable escaped during the crash. And this was pretty well reviewed. I uh, I saw it theatrically. Haven't seen it since. I remember the first uh, two acts of the film I loved, and the third act I felt like it fell apart. Um, didn't didn't quite wasn't quite on board with it through the entire thing. But uh, nevertheless, it has its charms, and there's some good stuff there. Yeah, so I was Super kind of swept has- up. I thought it was a uh... I thought it was a very accurate recreation of like a like a Spielbergian feel. Right. So I was wrapped up in that when I went to see a screening of it with my friend Rick. Rick, who does not like J.J. Abrams, <laughs> and so uh-huh. we go out in the car, and Rick starts to tell me everything that's wrong with the movie, and I'm like, uh, you know, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the, like I sometimes I get so wrapped up in a. Uh, an aspect of the movie that's so enveloping that yeah. I, I miss it first. You know, I'm not looking at for, for flaws necessarily. I'm just luxuriating in a certain sensation. You know. Yeah. Right. Sure. I get it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's. Uh, I'm gonna revisit it. I haven't gotten a chance to yet, but yeah, I think it's time to to go back and look at it again. So yeah, but they do the capture capture that Spielbergian feel. You're right. That, that he nails it. That. You know, it's worth seeing for that, if nothing else. Uh, Explorers from 1985. Has been <laughs> well, Joe there you Dante's go. <laughs> a Spielberg you'd feel, yeah. Uh, exactly. Joe Dante's 1985 uh, follow-up to uh, Gremlins was uh, stars Ethan Hawke, and it's a bunch of kids who uh, build their own spaceship and go into space. And, uh, you know, it's a mixed bag, uh, but Shout Select has put it out with new uh, interviews and featurettes and all that stuff. So uh, there you go. Um Django has been issued in 4K uh, by Aero Video. Um, you know the original Django from 1966. This was announced uh, last year, I think. They pulled, they uh, canceled it, and I don't know exactly why. But now they have it's official. It's out now. So Django um, is uh, the original western that was uh, broke broke new ground. I think one of the first uh, Italian. Spaghetti westerns, as they call them, uh, that um, you know, kind of paved the way for some of the others, um, more violent and uh, you know all of that. So anyway, uh, the final countdown from 1980 has been issued by Blue Underground, 4K. Uh, this is Kirk Douglas and Martin Sheen, James Ferentino. It's a time travel uh, sort of thing. I saw it years ago. I can't remember all the details of the plot. And of course, it has that song from Europe in it, right? <laughs> uh, that was about seven years before that song oh, came out. So, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, has been issued by Shout as a Shout Select title, 1994 sequel to City Slickers. Uh, kind of bombed when it came out. It got a really bad uh, 
rap when it came out. I don't think it's terrible. Uh, it's okay. It's you know it it um, it's a mixed bag. But um, I remember, boy, did people hate it, and were they angry? But uh, anyway, The Saint uh, from 1997 with Val Kilmer and A Night at the Roxbury from 1998 with Will Ferrell. Those have been issued by Paramount for the first time ever on Blu-ray. And then we have just you know, The Last Castle from 2001 is another Blu-ray from Paramount. And we have Smile, Michael Ritchie again, hmm. who directed Wildcats. His 1975 film Smile about the uh, the different the varying contestants in a beauty pageant um, right. in Southern California. Bruce Dern, this right? Is, a, is he in that one? Stern. Yes, he is. This is a new uh, Fun City Editions is the new uh, company. It's a, a out, offshoot of uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and they're doing a really good job with some of these United Artists titles that have been neglected. And this is one of them. There's some, some really really good extras here. Um, a few things contributed by the late Mike uh, McPadden, who passed away uh, sadly after his uh, – he was an online presence for a friend of some of ours in the podcasting community, my, myself included. And uh, he passed away shortly after uh, contributing extras, extras to this. And I think I want to say Larry Karaszewski, the uh, screenwriter, uh, has is also uh, involved with this somehow. I'm not quite sure, but – Anyway, just wanted to mention Smile from 1975, very well well reviewed film. Finally seeing the uh, the light of day on Blu-ray and The Hand from 1981, Oliver Stone's The Hand, which uh, for years he bashed this movie and now he's embracing it. He's done an audio commentary and uh, he's uh, there's some um, I don't know some some other extras on here. So uh, it's the this, the film about the man who's a uh, who's severed hand that Michael Caine is a sever is a cartoonist who's severed hand um, attacks all the people who who have done him wrong. <laughs> right. So, there's uh, uh, there's a level of creepiness in that movie that's pretty effective. Yeah, I agree. And I, I know agree. that if I remember correctly, I mean he had problems with his cinematographer because his cinematographer was kind of old that's school. Correct. But you know, there's imagery of Michael Caine. <laughs> looking completely fucking insane <laughs> that yeah, that is really right, yeah. really kind of creepy yeah i agree i agree it's uh to- totally but yeah i revisited it uh a while back a couple of months ago and it's uh, you know it has its moments uh just a few really quickly a few kino titles here oh and 12 monkeys has been issued by aero video in 4k by the way just wanted to mention that 1995 Few uh, few Kino titles here. Eye of the Tiger from 1986, a revenge film starring Gary Busey. Uh, we also have The Night of the Following Day, starring Marlon Brando and Richard Boone from '69. Million Dollar Mystery from 1987, <laughs> starring our old pal Eddie Deason. This is the film where uh, there's an all-star cast trying to find the missing million dollars that a uh, Tom Bosley yeah. is a dying millionaire, uh, a dying man who robbed a bank. And anyway, there's a real tie-in to. Um, to uh, uh, glad trash bags had provided a one million dollar prize for if you could look find the discover within the clues in the film as to where it really was, and uh, the film tanked, but they still had to pay out the million dollars. It's an interesting story that I think Eddie talked about in our interview with him, uh, and he famously, uh, or rather. I don't know if it's famous, but uh, anyway, he talked to us about the director of the film, Richard Fleischer, being a, a sour old man, as he called Aww. him, and not having a sense of humor. So, uh, anyway, um, I'd lo- I've never seen it, but I, I would be. Curious. I have those. I have the soundtrack on vinyl. Wow, boy! <laughs> I got the soundtrack sealed for tick, tick, tick. 
wow, last week. Wow, that's quite a find, yeah. I was like, I didn't know this. It's had a soundtrack, but yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Wow, yeah. So, uh, Honky Tonk Freeway from 1981, which was a John Schlesinger film with uh, Beverly D'Angelo, and uh, I can't remember who all's in this. Seems uh, just uh, quite a few actors that we all know and love. Uh, William Devane, Hume Cronin, Jessica Tandy, Bo Bridges, Terry Gard. It's about a small town in Florida uh, who, who's um, doing anything in their uh, power to convince the governor to uh, alter a road project that will um, block the access to their town. And anyway, it it uh, kind of has a cult following. I remember when it came out, played on HBO quite frequently. I never saw it, so I can't really attest to its what's it called? Charms or lack thereof. Honky Tonk Freeway, John Schlesinger, oh, 1981. Wow. And uh, then we have Ponette from 1996. is a foreign film um, from Kino as well. And just a couple other things here. Uh, we have Athena from 1954 starring Jane Powell uh, and Debbie Reynolds. That's a uh, Warner Archive release. And we have The Tinder Trap from 1955. And that's with Frank Sinatra. That's another Warner Archive release. And The Groove Tube, which was probably the first of those sketch films that would mm. become popular with the Kentucky Fried Movie and Amazon Women on the Moon. Hen's Tooth Video has issued this on Blu-ray. And I'm a fan of this one. Uh, Chevy Chase is in this. Richard Belzer. It's hit and miss. Some of the skits don't quite land. But the ones that do, boy, are they funny. And I think it uh, it has its moments. So I would recommend the 1974 Groove the groove tube rated X originally for uh, copious amounts of nudity in this film, but uh, and very adult humor, but um, some of it of the non-politically correct variety. But anyway, the groove tube uh, I would recommend. And a um, couple Paramount titles here that uh, they're they're issuing as standalone titles with no extras: Rosemary's Baby, Don't Look Now, Days of Heaven. Uh, those are all being issued by wow. Paramount proper for the all first three, time ever. They've been on yeah three truly great movies. Yeah, Criterion has issued these previously, but uh, with extras, and these are uh, standalones. So anyway, so there you go. There's our Blu-rays for the month of May. Okay, stronger than most months. Now we're talking. Yeah. Studios I keep keep, so. g- keep giving us months like this. We'll be happy. Mm-hmm. 